Welcome to 1150 KKNW, an informed life radio show. I'm your host today, Javier Figueroa. Bernadette is out doing her citizen's duty of getting informed and connecting with other citizens in the great wilds of Tennessee and Kentucky. Uh, Today is going to be a jam-packed show. We will be having a guest on uh, from uh, the land down under adjacent. He's been on the show before, and he's been also trying to educate uh, Kiwis uh, and Aussies uh, down there about all the problems, limitations, and uh, truths associated with the current COVID-19 crisis, this global crisis that has been rolled out rather systematically. Now, before we go on to the show, uh, just wanted to inform listeners to the show to go to an informedchoicewashington.org and look at the latest uh, alerts that has been published. Uh, recently, uh, Bernadette posted that uh, the Washington Department of Health launched a digital COVID-19 verification system. So we have now a digital system rolled out by our own, by our own Department of Health, and this is going to be prototyped. Uh, things are still being worked out. Uh, and uh, things are just going to be rolled out as if by decree. So don't be alarmed. Be active. Uh, This is going to be a system that is going to be used to see if people will actually put on their vaccine status in a digital system to be allowed to go and enter uh, churches, uh, courts, uh, federal buildings, state buildings, and even private businesses. So again, Go to uh, an informedchoicewashington.org webpage, informedchoicewa.org, and go to our alert. And this is for the November 28th uh, alert that was posted. It's worth your time. It's worth the read and uh, time to get involved. So as I said, we have a great uh, guest uh, here. He's been previously on the show. His name is John Verd. Let's see if we can bring him on. Hello, John. How Hello. you doing? Good. Thank you. It's Kia good ora. to see you, my friend. Kia ora. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to say in, in, in Oakland, kia ora. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind that. A little, little Spanish humor there. But it's good <laughs> to see you, John. So yeah, uh, this is now the summer season down in New Zealand, is it not? Yeah. As of December 1st, we are officially in summer. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Beautiful nice, day nice. outside. And I just wanted to uh, uh, let people know that uh, John has been down there for how many years now? Uh, Christmas will be seven years now. Congratulations. Now, Thank one, you. Of the things, one of the things that we've heard is that uh, New Zealand has been uh, steadily ramping up the pressure uh, after mandating, uh, locking down and now mandating the vaccination. What's, what's the current status now? Well, they, so I, th- I think they're skirting around the the mandate uh, in a in a way by um, penalizing businesses who allow unvaccinated people and I say vaccinated I have to keep saying it in air quotes it's it's a mRNA injection that is not a vaccine so I just want people to be cognizant of that but um, 
yeah, they've been um, just forcing it down the, the public's throats through um, constant messaging um, on, you know, public service announcements, billboards, and um, constant updates from Parliament and uh, our lovely Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern. Um, and so they have just recently, in the last week, instituted a traffic light system, so-called, with mm. green, orange, and red alert levels that allow for different um, levels of participation um, within certain industries. So we're still trying to figure out how it, some of the rules are a little bit vague, and um, it, it seems as though they might be left open to interpretation. A lot of businesses are still asking all kinds of questions. And in fact, I recently spoke to a doctor here who's been working with attorneys trying to understand um, the exact limitations of, of the law. And they're not even able to get a, a printed copy of the law. They don't even have it. So they can't, mm -hmm. it makes it very hard to address that when you can't even get a copy of it. Interesting. So are you getting the feeling that uh, a lot of the things that are happening uh, at, the, at the governmental level, they're making it up as they go along? <laughs> it it would appear that way. Uh, I've had this conversation with a lot of people, and uh, my former employer would, would like to look at it as, you know, they're just struggling because this is all very new to us, and, um, you know, they're just trying to, to understand and implement things that they couldn't have accounted for um, and just maybe being a little naive. I I don't quite look at it that way. I, I think there's a little more intention behind it. And some of these things um, seem to me to be left open to interpretation intentionally. Um, Interesting. Now you said your former employer. For discussion. Now you said your former employer. What, oh, what's yeah. going on with that? So with the, uh, the expression now is no jab, no job. So uh, because I have refused to accept the jab, I am uh, not allowed on the premises anymore at where I used to work. I was a uh, a club manager at a um, at a fitness club in New Zealand, part of a franchise. I don't want to throw them under the bus or anything, um, but they're um, going along with these mandates, and um, so there, that leaves a lot of people forced with the choice. So it's it's. You know, they're not um, forcing you at gunpoint per se, but they are um, removing your ability to um, be employed or participate in, in any basically any entertainment. So mm -hmm. at the moment, uh, I can go to the grocery store and the pharmacy. And that's about it. Maybe to the, the doctor. Interesting. And so now that's interesting that you put it in, in uh, that that form that you're not being there's you're not being uh, required to do this at gunpoint, but your ability to, uh, you know, uh, make a make a wage uh, is being taken away from you. How is how is the government or at least the, the local uh, municipalities not seeing that as coercive? What is their rationale? Oh, I'm sure they do. I, I'm sure they do. I mean, you know, if, if you have listened to any of the prime minister's rhetoric, um, in fact, she was uh, interviewed uh, a few weeks ago and the reporter, you know, asking her question saying, you know, th this new system that you're implementing and the, with these uh, passports mm -hmm. is really um, creating a, a stratification, a stark 
difference between you know people that can participate in society it's it's almost like you're creating second class citizens you know do you think it and then she just says yep that's that's it that's it exactly so she is bound and determined to within all limitations of her power to to get past the at least up to the 90% vaccination rate well, so this um, is this is interesting. Reportedly getting very close mm-hmm. to that, but now this is interesting. So, uh, Prime Minister Ardennes, uh, it, she she boldly and flatly stated, "I am my intent is to create a two class system: those yeah. that will be jabbed and those that will not be jabbed. Uh, the uh, the the right of people to uh, to make a living and live their lives. You can just chuck the Magna Carta out the window." Yeah. It's and, and I, I also um, you know I've been uh, I'm been involved with a uh, a group there there's a very large and growing contingent of people that are frustrated with this even people that have um, accepted the vaccine are now getting quite frustrated as they learn that their vaccine has an expiration date on their passport for one thing that they weren't told originally. Uh, and, and the fact that other people are being given a choice, you know, they still, I think the majority of people believe that there, there should be a choice. Right. Um, but we're, yeah, it's, it's becoming sort of a caste system. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, I keep thinking back to brave new world, you know, that the people living on the outskirts yep. in, in the, uh, other world outside the city, it's, <laughs> it's, it's looking like that is our future. That is that is actually quite frightening and uh, just disconcerting to see some uh, a, a major head of a political party uh, like Ardennes uh, just coming out and basically revealing the, the game as it is. Uh, and what is more concerning is I haven't heard of any major political figure in uh, in New Zealand, especially in, in the parliament there, uh, speaking out against it. Is that? I mean, is the is the is the truth uh, different yeah. on the ground? No, that's that's true. There, I mean, it's everybody's in uh, as they say lockstep. There, there may be a few dissenters, but nobody really vocal. Um, there were some that have run for parliament that, of course, get demonized uh, as you know radicals. But uh, yeah, nobody that I have heard actually in parliament. Really speaking out. There are in, in Australia, though, uh, I forget the gentleman's name. Uh, there was an interview with him um, and he appeared on he was interviewed by Alex Jones. Some of the listeners may be familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Alex Jones, uh, Infowars. And uh, he was he very vocal and, and he uh, saw the mandates in Australia as very draconian. And he's been speaking out um, quite vociferously against it. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is that you have such a, a large contingent of politicians and the, the vast majority of the citizenry, citizenry appears to be just OK with uh, uh, watching their 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 fellow uh, brothers and sisters uh, lose their ability to, to hold down a job uh, based on these mandates. Uh, you know, what are are there doctors speaking out in in, uh, in New Zealand? Oh, yeah, the, absolutely. Um and of course, the the more prominent ones are being censored. Um, I thinking back to I did an interview with um, Dr. Sam Bailey, 
Um, she's been very vocal since the beginning, especially around the PCR tests and pointing out how mm -hmm. inaccurate they are. Um, and even um, referencing the, the inventor of the PCR test, talking about how he even said that you can't make a diagnosis uh, with this test, especially at the threshold right. cycles that they've been using. Um, I'm sure you've talked about that before on the show. But uh, yeah, Dr. Bailey, uh, actually after doing that interview, with her, um, I was booted off of uh, the uh, public radio station that I was airing my podcast on. Um, so that shows what happens um, when you get too close to the truth. Um, you know, you, you get censored. Exactly. And now you you're basically, uh, you know, going your own way, in essence, uh, by having your own podcast and your own website. Uh, what's the name of the uh, the website and the yeah. podcast that you run? Uh, the website is libertynow.com and the podcast is Liberty Now Podcast and it's on all the major apps, iTunes, Stitcher and those. And uh, yeah, I've just been rebuilding uh, since getting off the air. So um, yeah, that's that's been coming along. And, um, you know, this uh, job change now is uh, allowing me more time to work on that. So um, yeah. there's a, a little bit of a silver lining. I'll, I'll be able to get the word out a little more. It's been dedicate more time to research and trying to inform people like you are. Right. Exactly. And uh, it's just, uh, unfortunately, you have to do this on your own. I have the good uh, advantage of uh, having someone established like like Bernadette and informed, cho informed uh, choice Washington uh, that already has a brand name, but you're building from the ground up in essence. Yeah. And now yeah. at this point, you That's, know, uh, it's, it's been a good experience. <laughs> I, I bet it has <laughs> and not by choice but uh it's uh you know sometimes the only way through is is forward um with that in mind um are you able to uh communicate freely with other people there that uh, are like-minded like you oh yeah absolutely uh, you know it's again with the with the censorship that we're seeing uh it's easy to get the impression unless you start you know looking deliberately for the information, it's easy to get the impression that, um, you know, we're just a very small vocal minority, but, um, case in point, the, the voices for freedom, if, if anybody really wants to, um, take a look, I, I'm not sure how many organizations, um, there are stateside that are protesting, you know, the lockdowns and trying to point out the actual science behind the the testing and um the realities of the uh the covet injection but um i know there is um what is it doctor what's the doctor's site in the the u.s there's a oh a the flccc of, which, which frontline one is that? critical care COVID. the flccc oh, okay. frontline critical care uh frontline COVID critical care doctors uh, i think there's another one called uh, just frontline doctors Yes, there's also uh, yeah, American frontline doctors. Yeah, they they've been holding rallies, but anyway, just here in New Zealand, um, we've got the Voices for Freedom. If anybody's interested uh, to see a really well-oiled machine, they they've been building uh, a huge uh, growth in their membership, and uh, they've been holding rallies and doing marches uh, near downtown. There's a like a square called Cranmer Square. And the first one I went to, there might have been maybe three, four hundred people there. 
uh, the last one I went to Saturday before last, there was probably six, 7,000 people there packed all over the place and marching through downtown. And it's, it's really heartening to see, um, you know, other like-minded people, even, even, like I said, people that have been jabbed, you even see a few here and there wearing masks, but they really disagree with these draconian measures from the government. And, so I'm um, bringing up, I'm just bringing up the, uh, the, the website right now, uh, need a helping hand, uh, voices for freedom.com.co.nz. And yeah. again, this is, this is a, just, uh, I mean, the, the speakers that they're getting, um, the fact that they're asking people to share their stories, they're sharing yeah. information, uh, and also find your local group. That's fantastic. That is yeah. really fantastic. Uh, so they've been breaking us into like um, regions around Canterbury, North Island and South Island as well. And then um, we've started having like regular um, chapter meetings weekly. And then within those groups, we've been breaking into uh, smaller neighborhood groups. And uh, I've even uh, joined a, a small group um, where we meet once a week. So uh, there is definitely a lot of support and there is a, a parallel economy developing now. They, and they've seen this coming for a, quite a while too. So um, people are starting to interesting um, roster their, their skills and resources and, um, you know, getting together and preparing for uh, what most of us see as an inevitable uh, market crash. Um, if, if you take any stock in, what Klaus Schwab and um, other globalists have been saying, um, you know, we've been yes. seeing this coming for a long time that uh, they, they want to get us. The, the, the whole COVID thing is, is more about getting us um, in compliance and getting us in line and prepared for a um, social credit score mm-hmm. and um, our carbon credit system. That's exactly have you, it. Have you discussed that at all? Sorry, one more. Can you share that one more time? Have you have you just have you uh, discussed that at all, or or had the any shows talking about that sort of the bigger plan? We we've had talked about it. Yeah, we've talked about it peripherally. Uh, you know, when we discuss this and we start asking questions as as to why there's such a an enforcement, why there's such a push for a uh, basically getting a mandatory jab and starting these. Uh, basically, you know, vaccine IDs, which then will become digital IDs, uh, is right. uh, a push towards trying to digitize and centralize uh, health information, financial information, and control uh, uh, the movement of people uh, via the system. And again, we're, what's, what's amazing is that most people are not realizing that what government is doing is that they're contracting out all these services to private companies. And they're basically using banks right. as a de facto financial enforcement arm. And again, businesses right. are just going along with it. So, for example, today I went uh, to a uh, to a coffee shop, and uh, because it's uh, I, I do something called Cash Fridays, which is something that uh, several groups uh, here at uh, you know uh, at uh, Children's Health Defense and uh, Solari.com have been promoting is. Basically, every Friday, don't use your credit card, use cash. That's a great idea. And then I, I, go, to, I go to pay and they tell me, I'm sorry, we don't, we don't take cash. Oh, which, is, which is just, to me, it's just, okay, that businesses are now saying it's, 
it's okay to uh, force customers not to use legal tender except uh, uh, digital currency. They're okay with that. So I've made the choice that any any right. other business that uh, is just saying you're not you're not being given a choice, uh, I won't do business with them anymore. That's exactly that's exactly a, a kind of boycott, you know, sort of thing that I think more people need to do and be conscientious about is voting with your dollars because, you know, yep. we're we're powering this entire system with dollars at the exactly. moment. Exactly. Um, you know, we've we've enabled the ultra wealthy to use, you know, capitalism and game the system and, and using our finances in order to, you know, put us at a real disadvantage. And and once they switch over to a non-currency to energy yeah. credits, yep. uh, you know, then, then there's no more choice. Exactly. So I, I think it's really smart of people to be interested and, and try to support uh, the use of cash um, as part of our, our privacy as well. Well, and that's and exactly it. To, uh, you know. Well, and, and, and yeah. again, you know, uh, another example, you know, it, go ahead, John. I was just going to say that, uh, you know, the, these, these little things might seem like they're, they're not connected at all until you start looking at, at the intention and the bigger purpose. You, you know, if you, if you do start listening to, you know, the likes of, of Klaus Schwab and, uh, Bill Gates and look at some of the patents that they're issuing around um, uh, social credit um, technology and uh, currencies uh, like embedded <laughs> biologically embedded, embedded currencies yeah. and things. Uh, then it starts to make more sense. And in fact, when they uh, just we we had the last lockdown, you know, the Ministry of Health will um, have all kinds of printed materials that the businesses can download to support, uh, you know, enforcing people to um, scan their QR code so they can have contact tracing, um, which I'll tell you right now, I don't do. <laughs> they're they're right. not going to track my movements. Um, <laughs> I, I know ostensibly they, they say, well, that's that's really selfish. You know, you're, you're putting people at risk. If you can't track where you've been, you know, you could be a disease carrier. And it's like, I don't have a cough or sniffles or a fever. I'm perfectly healthy. Um, I'm not a carrier. Yeah. And if I, if I get sick, I'll stay home. So that's, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it's, a, yeah, it's amazing what governments are doing now. It's basically saying you're selfish because you want privacy. You are selfish because right, you're not allowing right. us to track us. Yeah. Yeah. And so in with all the signage and, and printed materials that they give out, uh, there's a lot of them that um, they'll say, this business uh, doesn't accept cash with the, because it's, it's dirty and it could spread germs, right? Um, or we're a cashless business or please use your credit card if possible. And they're really pushing this to try to get people away from um, using cash and currency. So um, you, you can see through this push, you know, the, the bigger picture, the, the bigger agenda. So as yeah. you say, I think it's a, a, a good idea to, to resist that and do little things like that, even shopping, you know, rather than maybe save a couple dollars by shopping at Walmart, go to your local dairy or, you know, your local mom and pop store, try to avoid the mass market box stores as much as possible. Exactly. Um, yep. Because, you know, the more you fund them, you know, the more you're basically shooting yourself in the foot um, exactly. without realizing it. 
Yeah. And again, it's uh, we're paying for our own enslavement when we do this, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the fact that, you know, we're, we're, we're there's a there's such a use of the uh, not not law, but the color of law, uh, basically assuming powers that right. are it, not legally precisely. granted. Yeah. So right. that's the and important this, bit right there. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I really have been trying to get the message across to people mm-hmm. that. People are, are good and they want to do the right thing. And they think that, yeah. you know, a lot of most, well, I'd say at least half of people nowadays think that the government is working in their own best interest and they're trying to protect them. And um, the, the first thing I would point out to listeners is the number one cause of premature death in all of history is democide. That is death by government. Yep. You look at the, the, biggest exterminations of human life have been by, you know, in, in Stalin's Russia, uh, Mao's China, Hitler's Germany. Every single time, if, if you want to look at the biggest cause of premature death, it's by government. Yep. Not, not any disease, not any plague, <laughs> uh, which is pretty astounding when you, when you look at the numbers and you, in the aggregate. And so, um, you know, we go through these historical cycles of, you know, rises yeah. and falls of empires and, and um, polite civilization. And um, but you, if you look like a look up the Titler cycle and, and most empires go through a two to four hundred year cycle and um, they go through different stages of, you know, from from bondage into, uh, you know, resistance into. Uh, you know, freedom, and then back yeah, around to, you know, too much freedom and then decadence and then back into enslavement. And it goes for about nine stages. And I think we're <laughs> looking at the bigger picture. We, we seem to be kind of in those end stages. Yep. And um, it's it's hard to say whether we're going to, you know, stop it or not. Uh, the, the, the the political system is, is so corrupted that I, I don't know that we can rely on it to, uh, you know, work in our favor. You see so many corrupted judges making these rulings that are just absolutely ridiculous. Exactly. Now, before we move on, I just want to make sure that uh, uh, listeners are aware that you can call in. uh, And uh, let's just see if I can find the call-in number. Uh, Bernadette is pretty good about posting that. And again, because we have such a fantastic uh, technical crew uh, over at uh, 1150 KKNW, they popped it up on the screen for me. So to call in or comment or oh, questions, nice. give us a call at 425-373-5527. Again, 425-373-5527. And, and also 888-298-5569. Again, 888-298-5569. Call in, ask questions or comments. Share a little love. Share a little hate. We'd love to listen <laughs> and hear back from you. So... uh and thank you again. Um, very helpful. Uh, so, and again, John, now what's, in, what's interesting is that you, you've now experienced firsthand, along with uh, medical practitioners, along with uh, many people here in this country, having to be forced into deciding, take the shot or go to work. And yeah. Yeah. And it, is that trickling it's, down it's, into you know, into schools? I, I'm sure it will be coming. In fact, I've been 
really keeping my antenna up for uh, the two schools where my kids are going to. And um, I've made it very clear that if they even talk about mandating injections uh, to continue at school, I will pull them out immediately mm -hmm. and, and begin homeschooling them. That's how strongly I feel about it. I've, I've done a lot, a lot of research on this um, injection. And uh, right. I, I do not have any confidence that it is either safe or effective. Well, let me let me just be very blunt about it. The uh, evidence for efficacy is so thin and the evidence mounting that it, it is having zero effect either on the alpha through Omicron or I call, uh, uh, well, I won't say it, but the but all the different variants that are out there, which were expected, uh, the efficacy has been dropping if, even if there ever was any efficacy and the amount of uh, adverse events right. and deaths associated with it uh, have just been increasing all the time. And also, this is a great segue. Um, are you aware that uh, the federal, uh, here in the United States, a, uh, a federal court, a judge basically uh, ordered Pfizer to start releasing documents about the, right. uh, the data? Yeah. And you told me about this. You told me yes. about this. There, there's a, uh, a suit with the FDA and they had, um, and I'm, I'm, this is just breaking like in the last couple of days. So I'm still learning about the details, but apparently they had, I think the FDA had requested that the documents in the case, the evidence be sealed for 55 years. Correct. And, um, and apparently the judge, bless his heart, uh, denied that request and has uh, mandated that they release the documents at I think 500 per month until they're all released. Which is, which is I, ridiculous. You've been taking because... a look at some of the, have you read it, those? Yes. And what amazes me, so this is just to give uh, folks a uh, uh, an update and know what we're talking about. Um, Pfizer uh, is required to do what they call a post-authorization adverse event report uh, as part of their market surveillance. And they published a, a, a document or they have a, a, they have a trove of documents that were released. And one of this is uh, the title is 5.3.6 cumulative analysis of post authorization adverse event reports of PF-0730-2048 in parentheses BNT162B2, which is the, uh, the, the mRNA uh, gene therapy that they tried, uh, received through 28 February, 2021. So let's remember that these that these uh, gene therapies. I don't call them vaccines either because they're they're under the biologics. They're trying to right. they're trying to label them as vaccines, but they're actually gene therapies. Uh, they they were released in December, so this is data that they that they received from December 2020 to February 28th, 2021. So we're talking roughly. Let's be generous. Three months about of of information. Right. And in this data, they basically uh, showed that there were 1,223 fatalities associated with the injections. So in a, the, in a three-month period, they received these reports wow. to <laughs> their reporting system. On top of that, uh, there were uh, on the order of, uh, you know, um, <laughs> This is ridiculous. 19,582 uh, reported cases of people recovering from uh, 
an adverse, adverse event. 11,361 people still not recovered. And wow. 9,400 people that are, are, are unknown, uh, that they still don't know what, what's going on with, with them. And these are basically, you know, 25,000 uh, nervous disorders, um, 17,000 musculoskeletal and connective tissue disorders, 14,000 gastrointestinal disorders, and, uh, you know, a whole slew of uh, thrombocytic, uh, cytopenic, and myocard myocardial issues. Uh, and this is this the FDA knew. Right. That's and the thing that kills me is that they knew about this and, and report. In fact, there was a, a whistleblower, and I'm, I'm not certain if this uh, case that's uh, is this at the Supreme Court level right now? No, this was at the uh, let me check real quick it was a federal judge, but it wasn't at the Supreme Court. Okay, uh, I, I wasn't certain, but I, I know there was a whistleblower from the FDA who was an, a sort of medical auditor. I, I don't know what her title was, but she would go through and, and audit um, how the studies were going and was just she came out and said this was ridiculous. When they were uh, doing the studies for the emergency use authorization and saying that it was like third world conditions there, like none of the protocols were being adhered to. They, there were medical records left out where the janitors could see them. There were um, adverse events and deaths being omitted, just dropped off if it didn't suit, you know, the, if they didn't see like exactly. positive results. And I'm wondering if this uh, current suit is, is a uh, part of that. That's there's so many things going on right now that it's just really difficult to keep up with what's what's been going on. Yeah, the, the illegalities are just mounting. What's really frustrating is that, you know, the all these adverse events, the, the things that you just cited from a federal document that's been released, forced to be released. And now it's public knowledge. There's no disputing it. All these adverse events were listed and known before they rolled out the vaccine. I mean, there were many doctors, including former heads of Pfizer, um, prominent doctors, you know, with, uh, you know, Nobel laureates and uh, doctors that were, uh, in, including the inventor of, of the mRNA technology said that right. these are, you know, anticipated adverse events before they rolled it out. And they rolled it out anyway with, with you know, none of the protocols being followed and it just rushed through. And now we're actually seeing it happening. So, and, and yet people continue to doubt that or they want to believe that it's safe and effective, even if it's one in a thousand. I mean, have you looked at the, um, how many were in that study in that three month sample do you have those uh, let me check to see uh, what the cumulative report was. I think it was in the order of 44,000. Yeah, 42,086 adverse events reported. So it's that came a pretty in. high percentage of the people when you're it, listing off those adverse events yeah. and deaths. That's not a small percentage. Yeah. No. And that's and again, this is a passive system. This is not an active system. These are people that were aware that they could report this and reported it in. Right. And this doesn't include VAERS. This doesn't include CMS. This doesn't include the other 20 reporting systems in the federal at the federal level. And this is coming in from Germany, Japan, uh, 
in, in Europe and the United States. So this was a, a fairly wide catchment area that they were using. Wow. Yeah, it's it it's is, beyond. Um, theirs is the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting, reporting System. system. Mm-hmm. Right? Correct. Is that the U.S. only? Uh, well, you can. So VARES is actually allows people to report from anywhere, uh, but you have to okay. you have to uh, you have to basically uh, state before they will actually take a uh, a report. You basically have to verify that you are the sender. Uh, where are you located? Who is the you know who are you? Uh, is it you that you're reporting that there was an adverse event? Or is it you reporting for somebody else? Uh, is there a doctor involved? What documentation do you have? So it's a very, um, it, VARES is probably one of the better systems. It's still a bad system, but it's probably one right. of the better ones because you do have to go through a, a step-by-step ver- verification process. And let me check here right. real quick um, because uh, what's interesting is that there is a site called OpenVARES uh, that uh, keeps track of uh, the uh, the 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 reportable uh, events. Uh, and right now, uh, just in the U.S. and territories alone, uh, VARES has reported 8,986 deaths associated with, uh, 8, with and it's 8,000. This is just associated with, um, uh, with uh, the uh, COVID-19 injectables at this point. Uh, right. And again, you know, the, the issue then becomes because we have a, a passive reporting system, how many others are we missing? And- right. Yeah, exactly. The, I mean, I've heard estimates of anywhere from uh, 10% to maybe 20% get reported. I mean, you, you multiply that by a factor of, you know, 10, 10 or more. 20. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a lot. Um, I also have been doing the research on the um, the recent state of myocardial infarctions and um, deaths um, on uh, soccer fields. Uh, you know, and among athletes in the like twelve to thirty age group. And there was a somebody compiled a list. I think it's up to a hundred and eight publicly that that you know that made some kind of headline or the news who knows how many yeah. more there might be um young healthy players in the prime of their lives is anywhere from 60 to 66 times increase yes. in these events and here was an interesting thing um they apparently the uh governments around the world they were um, making purchase orders for uh, advertising, public service announcements for, you know, the size of buses, trains, billboards. And uh, the, the messaging was around um, doctors. Remember that children can have heart attacks too. Prior to the approval for 12 and ups. Oh, and so we're seeing my God. <laughs> along, alongside all of the, these spontaneous, it's, it's been like a, I want to say a 200% increase or something. It's just like, just mysteriously. And the, the governments or, you know, the newspaper articles that are reporting on it, it's like, Oh yeah, another soccer player, you know, died or, um, you know, a high school kid died on the field. Um, yeah. We're not sure what's causing all of these um, heart attacks. And of course 
you know, to be scientifically accurate, you know, uh, correlation does not prove causation. But, but what has happened recently with uh, all this, this sudden, spontaneous, mysterious increase in heart attacks? They, I, again, they, they're all double vaccinated. The increase is there. They're all double vaccinated. And this is actually, this was actually a predicted outcome that it, FDA exactly. presented. I mean, that Pfizer presented to FDA as early as October 20th, 2020, that this was an expected outcome. Guillaume Barr was prominently on the list. Also, uh, thrombo, uh, thrombocytopenia, thrombosis, stroke, myocarditis, pericarditis were the top six on that, on that list. And death was actually number five. It wasn't the top one. It was uh, it was down there on the list. So this is something that FDA was aware. Now, what's interesting is that the language that they use uh, on their in their in their documents, um, since these were all expected um, outcomes uh, of the uh, uh, of the jab. Let's see if I can find it. Where are you? Where where are you? Here we go. Um, that uh, you know they they can confidently make the statement that uh, that uh, basically uh, Pfizer. This is the the discussion. Pfizer performs frequent and rigorous signal detection on BNT one sixty two B two cases. The findings of these signal detection analyses are consistent with a known safety profile of the vaccine. So they know what the safety profile should be. So for them, they're basically saying this is fully expected, right? Nothing, nothing to be right. alarmed by this, right. right? The cumulative analysis to support the biologics license application for BNT162B2 is an integrated analysis of post-authorization safety data from U.S. and foreign experience focused on important identified risks, important potential risks, and areas of important missing information. Uh, identify the pharmacovigilance plan, as well as the adverse events of special interest in vaccine administrations. The data do not reveal any novel, novel safety concerns or risks requiring label changes and support a favorable benefit risk profile of the BNT162B2 vaccine. So a Pfizer- Favorable risk benefit profile based on, on how many deaths- our adverse events per thousand. I mean, who, who's writing the language? Pfizer. <laughs> who's deciding what's acceptable? That's Pfizer, right? Right. And again, they, they get well, away with it because they I'm say there's no novel outrageous. safety. Yeah. yeah, there's there's no novel safety concerns, right? These were expected. Right. These were expected. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah. Right. It's just, it is unbelievable. My God. Yeah. Well, <sighs> I, I'm not a doctor, but I, I have been listening to a lot of doctors and there is a, a very significant amount. There are thousands of them that have uh, signed on to the um, various organizations um, like the um, uh, frontline workers Yes, in the U.S. Um, and then VFF here, uh, a significant enough number that I would urge everybody, and I do, I tell everybody, you make an informed decision. And uh, yeah, another thing that I would ask people, I have been asking people here, is, um, you know, they've been going along with the 
quote unquote mandate that, that may or may not um, be legal at this point. It's hard to say. Just it's just sort it's of de facto because the businesses yep. are going along with it, uh, and because the media and uh, you know Parliament says so, regardless of actual law. But I've been asking people what if you could take an exemption to this injection, would you? And most of them are like, yeah, I probably would. So that begs the question, why are you taking it? If the sole purpose of this mRNA injection, this technology is to protect your health, obviously you're, you're not as concerned about the health risks of getting COVID, which is provably uh, not as deadly as is being hyped up in the media, right. then, then why are you taking it? Because you want to participate. You want to go to the bar. You want to go to the movies. Yep. You, uh, you, you're allowing yourself to be bullied and uh, going along with this, these dictates that are completely uh, in violation of, of human rights. And I think mm -hmm. it could be argued in violation of the Nuremberg Code. I think the government no is skirting around that um, technically by um, not marching police officers to your door yet. Correct. Yeah, uh, exactly. However, that have you, have you read about Austria? And Germany now. And Germany. Yep. So uh, apparently at machine gun point, people are being injected Uh and in fact, recently here in, in New Zealand, uh, there was a lady who was, uh, she tested positive, which is questionable to begin with, because as we've demonstrated, the science does not show that the PCR test is reliable to begin with. She tested nope. positive, no, no symptoms. And she had her three children removed from her home with no symptoms. <laughs> And no, and no legal process, no due process. No due process. Nope. Yep. So, um, yeah, it, this is why I've been really getting vocal about it, not shy about it, and and speaking up. Um, that's why we're on the air, why we're talking to people, and um, I think it's it's really the time for activism now. Yes. You know, you you can't. If you really examine this, if you're willing to open-mindedly, you know, look at the bigger picture, and not just automatically assume that everything that the government says is right or in your best interest, it's not always mm -hmm. so. Um, and if you're willing to look at, you know, the the censorship and and the flat-out lies coming from a lot of the establishment media, then um, you you must see this as a, a creeping tyranny. And you, you cannot comply your way out of tyranny. Good point. Very good point. You, you, you cannot enable and empower them. Um, so, you know, like you're doing your Cash Fridays is a great way to do it. I, I just have been encouraging people to do whatever you can. Uh, you know, not everybody is willing to, uh, you know, start up a podcast or they're, they aren't willing to grab a microphone. You know, if you're shy, um, you know, Hand out flyers, do do letter drop, do mailboxes. Yes, um, you know, and um, maybe if you're an artist, create memes and put them out there. Yeah, um, you know, but we've got to face the harsh realities, and and wh at whatever level you can, you need to, you know, speak up, stand up, 
against this because um, you know exactly. I can see a point in time where you know the 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 latch on the cattle car door slams shut. Yes, and you're you're off to a place you don't like, and your your choice is gone then. Yes, and that's uh, a very good point. Yeah, and if I may so, so humbly suggest, uh, you know, there's it's not just Cash Fridays; it's starting a business. It's getting together with a community right. and saying, "Why don't we start a community credit bank or a credit a credit uh, co-op?" The things that people can yeah. do to to generate an independent alternate uh, economy exists. We do not have to go with the fiat system that we have right now. And that's the really the the important part. You cannot have freedom if you can't control your finances, period. Right, right. And and this, I guess this is part of the the conundrum is, you know, we, um, I've been reading that book you recommended, Javier, about um, Quiet Don't Tell. Was that the title? Quiet Don't Tell, yes. Yeah, about um, hypnosis. And, um, you know, some people are more suggestible than others. But um, on the main, the, uh, you know, society can be put into a trance. And it's it's the technology and, and the the gadgets that we've become so absorbed in that yes. really are a distraction. And, and in fact, studies have been done that, that you know, um, studying people's brainwaves while they're watching TV. It puts them into, uh, I think there's alpha, which is a high alert state of brainwaves down Correct. to delta, which would be, you know, deep sleep. And beta is that um, point where you're just between awake, awake and asleep. And uh, you're yes. very suggestible in that state. And, and when you're watching TV, uh, apparently the, the flicker rate of the TVs and just watching the screen puts you into a, a beta state and you're, you know, awake and, and conversational, but you are in that deeper state where yep. highly suggestible. And yes. we're, we're constantly, the more time we spend watching TV or, you know, on the screens, um, the, the more we're in that sort of trance like state. Correct. Yep. And so the, the harsh reality is that people are quite comfortable there. And um, when you're talking about proposing an alternative economy or you know, a barter system or a parallel economy that, that we do see developing here, yes, you, um, there are sacrifices that go with that. So you may not have, you may not be able to rely, I mean, in the extreme, you may not have uh, electricity or internet. And that's, right. that's going to be a hard, it's very addictive. Um, you know, people don't want to spend half the day, you know, gardening uh, for their food. They want to just go and buy prepackaged stuff at the store. But, you know, if, if that runs out, what are you going to do? Um, so I think people need to be willing to consider that, um, you know, because if we get to the point where we're in a, a cashless society, if we have energy credits, you know, um, as Klaus Schwab has been putting out, you know, you're going to have nothing and you're going to be happy with that. And they want us eating processed uh, insect proteins. Right. We're not even going to be allowed meat. Special occasions. Um, they're, they're pushing all this in, in the name of, uh, you know, protecting the earth and, and environmental uh, pretense. But it's really about uh, control of everything. It, uh, that's exactly. We need it. to resist that. If, if we want any kind of freedoms. 
And isn't it amazing that everything that they say in order to save the, the earth, everyone else has to do, but they're not going to do but uh, they don't their part. To, I know that's, <laughs> I, I have seen so many uh, video clips and pictures of, you know, like right after uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Dr. Fauci, any of them that said, you know, you've got to wear a mask. And then, you know, the next day, they're walking around with no mask. There's even hot mic clips I've seen of senators yeah. saying, uh, oh, yeah, I'm just going to put the mask on while we're on camera. It's just for a little bit of political theater. You know, <laughs> and then you know, people can't see that and, and think that they're really worried about, you know, catching a virus. The, the whole mask thing. It's pretty. I, I've gotten yeah. to a point where I just absolutely I flat refuse. A lot of people will. They'll put on the, they, they're like, yeah, I know there's holes in the mask and the virus can get through it. Or these masks aren't really effective. I mean, even Dr. Fauci has said that himself. He's flip-flopped yeah. so many times and people just want to go along to get along. They don't want to create a fuss. They don't want to be rude. And so, you know, when they see a sign on the front of a door of a restaurant and they say, you know, you must wear a mask, they just do it. It's a piece of paper with ink on it. Well, you know, the time, the hour is up and I want to say, John, Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. And again, uh, libertynow.com, John's website. Go visit it. Thank you, John. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website, informedchoice.com. 
informchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informchoicewa.org today. We need a revolution. There's only one solution. Hello and welcome back to the second hour of KKNW 1150 and Informed Life Radio. I'm your host, Javier Figueroa. Uh, Bernadette Pager is uh, away doing her citizen's duty of getting informed and connecting with others. I have on the show with me uh, a, a guest from our first hour, Don Baird, uh, the man from down under uh, in New Zealand. Uh, glad you could stay around and uh, talk a little bit more about uh, the goings on in um in the South Pacific. There we Hello. go. Hello. Hi, sorry. <laughs> hey, no worries. No worries. So I just wanted to see if we could uh, uh, wrap up uh, and basically uh, see what's going on. So we, we've been talking about New Zealand, and I don't know if you actually get any more or any better information than we do about, about the goings on in Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're just seeing the same things on the news. I mean, I do hear um, bits and pieces from uh, people who have relatives over there. Um, but um, I know it, it varies from uh, province to province or state to state. Like, uh, you know, like Queensland has um, been had some pretty severe lockdowns, but um, Victoria, apparently even more. But then there's other parts of Australia that are just, um, you know, completely free, just not having it. Right. Um, and there've been hundreds of, I was just talking to somebody um, yesterday and he said that um, he, he was looking at some video of a March in um, I want to say Adelaide. And he said, I, I know how big the streets are there. They're, they're quite large. And it was packed with people full width for as far as you could see. I mean, they're, you know, they're reporting a couple thousand, but there were probably hundreds of thousands. And uh, in fact, on the news here, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned, um, you know, we, we had a local radio station. Uh, one of the AM broadcasters drove by and was reporting after one of the rallies. He said, yeah, I saw about 150 people there at the park. There was probably <laughs> 7,000. <laughs> it's just ludicrous. That is funny. And now what's interesting is that uh, we've been getting reports that uh, Aboriginal groups have be, are being chased down to, to receive the jab. Uh, but yeah. what's, what's, what's been the attitude or at least the, uh, uh, any sort of pushback from Maori in, in New Zealand? Well, I, I know a lot of them are, uh, <laughs> they want to get labeled vaccine hesitant. Um, and, and so there, there's been a, a real big, propaganda push um, like in Maori language in the, the, the billboards and uh, TV commercials, you know, protect your whanau, your family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, do it for the, you know, do it for the family and um, really pulling on those heartstrings and, and what really matters to them. And uh, it's, it's pretty insidious. So yeah, they've, they've been getting a hard push because I, I think a lot of them and, and from, from what I understand uh, this this uh, engineered virus, mm -hmm. uh, and and particularly the the vaccine is um, more harmful to 
uh, people with um, more melatonin in their skin, I believe. Interesting. Like they, they don't they don't absorb vitamin D as readily, so they have to supplement it more because you know the darker skin uh, uh, does blocks the the UV light more. So your body doesn't produce as much vitamin D naturally as lighter skin does, uh, and and. As we know from the science, that vitamin D is one of the critical things, uh, along with the zinc and other things, yeah. to help uh, keep a, a strong immune system. That's correct, exactly. And again, uh, that that's interesting. Um, you know, the the debate that has been uh, ongoing. I think that uh, the issue associated with, uh, with the virus, with SARS-CoV-2, of it being engineered, is really now a, a moot point. Uh, there's yeah. substantial evidence out there that shows that. Uh, and again, a lot of uh, credible researchers uh, that are questioning it and, and asking the right questions regarding it. But the paper trail showing the uh, uh, the, the amount of work between a uh, Duke, you know, yeah, sorry, yes, UNC, um, NIAIDS, uh, EcoHealth Alliance, and the Wuhan Institute of Virology, uh, serving basically as a pass through of, of, of basically sending a genetic uh, viral information back and forth between them uh, is no longer contested. It is uh, a, a legal traceable document right now. So this right. whole notion that it's, it's no longer, uh, you know, that this is, this is just a conspiracy theory. It's actually a conspiracy fact. Correct. Yep. I, I also like to make that distinction, you know, when people, when I'm telling about, you know, things that, that seem kind of hard to believe that, yeah. you know, something like this could be engineered, you know, um, there, there is a big difference between conspiracy theory and conspiracy fact, things which are provable. Yes. Um, you know, you look at the Gulf of Tonkin incident, um, you know, there's throughout history, um, things that, that might get labeled as conspiracy theories are provable fact. And there, so you, you need to be careful that you don't render the word conspiracy uh, useless. I mean, con- a conspiracy is an actual thing where people conspire Correct. together to, you know, do, do something that try, they try to keep in secret. Um, you know, the, these things are facts. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's amazing the, the, the coordinated nature and the coordinated rollout that's occurred among every, almost every nation on earth associated with uh, the, the health response, or at least I shouldn't say the health response, the political and legislative and legal response associated right. with getting all of this down here. Do you know that, do you know what an ICD code is? No, I do not. So it's called ICD codes are used by doctors to basically categorize how a disease or what they do in their practice, like, you know, what a person has, what that they do. So it's an international code of diagnostics. And an ICD-10 code was generated for, uh, two ICD-10 codes were generated for uh, uh, COVID-19 very quickly. And it's not an easy thing to do. It's not something that you can can snap your fingers and it's there. The ICD-10 code was almost, almost from the beginning generated for, uh, for for, for, for basically a diagnosis of COVID-19 for for something that was almost brand new. Right. Uh, and it was, uh, was it Dr. David Martin, who's, who's done a few talks and interviews discussing all the patents Correct. that were in place for 
a, a novel coronavirus um, and gene uh, modification, right? On the and, and the patents for for the uh, the ostensibly for the vaccines. Correct. Prior yes. To, you know the Wuhan lab incident. So that, that I mean, is so exactly going back correct. to 2015. Yeah, that's exactly so it. To, yes. To think it, yeah, it's it's hard to think that this was accidental. You know, in in light of all that evidence, Doctor Fauci exactly has perjured it. himself. I mean, it's it's on record too. He's he's perjured himself uh, in congressional testimony. But by the way, just a little interesting side fact that's not has nothing to do with science per se. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Doctor Fauci, uh, you know, from old Sicilian lineage, um, some of the most well, the, the origins of some of the most no, notorious gangsters ever. Do, do you know the definition of Fauci, the family name? Nope. I don't. It's from, uh, it means sickle. As in Grim Reaper. <laughs> Seriously. Look it up. Look it up. You can't make this stuff up. Oh, man. Yeah. Dr. Death. The Dr. Death, <laughs> Dr. Sickle, Dr. Sickle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the amount of, um, how can I put it? The amount of, uh, bald face, uh, uh, the, the unresponsiveness, the unwillingness, the, the ability to basically look into, uh, the camera, uh, at, at congressional hearings and repeat something that, you know, is adjacent to the truth or almost sounds like adjacent to the truth and use your authority to give it some credibility, but it still is a lie that is killing people. And it is killing people. I, I, I can't be, I'm not mincing words here. The, the response to the pandemic, this quote pandemic is killing people. It's not the pandemic itself. The risk benefit analysis right. was never done. And right, right. now we're going to witness one of the most horrific increases in all cause mortality that the world has ever seen. And it's coming. It's already, it's already uh, steamrolling through. And again, this was predicted a year and a half ago when they started seeing that the, the, these laws and these uh, responses were being put into place. And people were saying, this is the response is going to kill more people than the actual disease. Right. Millions have already died in third world countries that depend on a smoothly flowing economy in the Western yes. countries. And the, the, pandemic response has already killed millions and you know our our inconvenience here you know with um, you know either not being able to work or lockdowns or freedom of movement is is a lot more than inconvenient for people that, that rely on our you know well-oiled economies running they're dying they're exactly to death. they're dying yes and again, we're not we're we're just entering into that particular period where uh, the, the slowdown in the, in the global economy. But not only that, the the, the built up stress, the built up anxiety, the built up drug use, the built up suicidal ideations, the isolation um, that is already starting to take a toll, especially in our youngest population. The fastest yeah. growing death rate, the fastest increase in deaths, are now being seen in the twenty four to forty eight range in this country. Um. Yeah. And again, this is this is a tragedy on a scale that I think few Americans will have ever experienced in their life. 
And again, when you start going to Europe where, you know, oh, yeah, those, absolutely. those are, those memories are more recent. Uh, it's still going to be a tough, tough pill to swallow. Yeah, it, it's, it is tough to swallow. And that's why, you know, most people being good natured, you know, are projecting that good nature onto others. They can't conceive mm-hmm. the true nature of evil. And um, it is, right. it is a harsh reality and it is, it's, I mean, they think, because they were born in, in this era of, you know, opulence and abundance that, you know, we're, people have this, this sense that on the day they were born, history just stopped. Right. And, you know, the, the people in, you know, pre-Nazi Germany didn't have a choice or, or even an inkling of what was coming their way. They thought they were at the pinnacle of, I mean, they were at that time, Yeah, you know, the arts and science were at a peak, you know, the economy was great. They, they couldn't have imagined, you know, that they just happened to be born into one of the, you know, the, into the Holocaust. And, and, and people have sort of a, I don't know, an, an egotistic, like a, uh, I don't know, they, they don't want to believe that that's possible again. Right. Now, another thing is, um, you know, when we talk about uh, a Holocaust, uh, or at least a great tragedy that's that, that's that's befalling. You know, like you said, governments were responsible for some of the greatest losses of life in the history of the world. Um, right. So again, what we're witnessing here is not a direct uh, dictate with guns. Uh, this is this is actually using the soft power of economics to carry out something that yeah. is incredibly nefarious. Uh, the the fact that here at the, at the University of Washington, the fact that they actually are telling people that you cannot be on campus unless you're vaccinated, that you can you can't work here unless you're vaccinated, right. flies against every single rule, international rule we have available, and every single state and, and federal law uh, that basically says your you know your 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 medical status is going to determine whether you can work or participate in society. Right. I mean, and it, yeah, it's, it's hard to comprehend that, that something like this, it could get to this point, but it's, it's such a slow creeping tyranny. And it's um, what you're describing too is yes. uh, laid out really clearly in um, books like uh, Technocracy Rising. Right. And, and that's what's at the, behind all this is, is a technocracy. Um, we, we see communism and socialism popping up and um, you know, taking over, but it's, that's just a, a means to an end. It, it, it's the ultimate goal is not the ideology of, of communism. It's, it's just a means of getting to the, the true thing that they really want is absolute ultimate control because they, they, the scientists and, and the, uh, robber barons of old, the, the families, the moneyed families that have been running things for centuries, uh, yes. haven't gone away. They've just kind of gone underground and they're using a, a slow creeping technocracy. And I think you pointed out to me, Javier, the book um, Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. This, this has been I, something. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, yeah, you should you should explain like <clears throat> what the the viewpoint from that book was about how they do it. So the the this particular paper is uh, uh it, you know, there's there's a bit of folklore around it. It was actually found in the copier tray of a um, uh, reused or resold uh, copier that came from a uh, 
I can't remember, but it was basically a Boeing engineer that decided that he wanted to do uh, some home copying, needed a, a large capacity copier, bought it and found these copied pages that appeared to be coming from a internal working group somewhere within the U.S. government that described uh, in, in high detail how the uh, different agencies and different uh, think tanks uh, within the U.S. government had figured out the basic control circuits on what drives society and how to, you know, basically look at inputs and outputs to get a response out of society. But not only that, they realized that people are not as predictable as they'd like them to be. So they were actually discussing um, different techniques and technologies to get the responses out of people. So right. this is this is in essence, like you said, John, a form technocracy, or at least the movement of technocracy. And again, uh, James Corbett at uh, the Corbett Report does a fantastic job of explaining the oh, history yeah. of technocracy. And if you want to learn a little bit more, you can go there. But tech, but the technocratic movement is real. It's part yes. and parcel of, you know, uh, Klaus Schwab and the WEF. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I it, it shocked me to see it. And again, I can confirm that a lot of the stuff that's in there is things that, uh, you know, from as, a, as an undergraduate and working with some of the professors there, um, this is something that they've been working for years to try and establish. Oh, yeah. 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 Apparently this paper was um, accepted uh, in the very first Bilderberg meeting in 1956, I think as, as taken on board as, as policy and methodology for accomplishing their uh, bigger goal of, of uh, one world government, you know, ultimate techn technocratic control mm -hmm. over society. And, and you said shock uh, it reminded me one of the things that they pointed out in the paper is that they learned you know, with the advent of the aircraft industry and doing like non-destructive or destructive testing on airframes, yes. they, they uh, learned a lot from shock testing on airframes and they applied that yes. very same ideology to uh, economic systems. So the, the idea is that you can apply a shock or a vibration at one end of an airframe and then you can put sensors all over the airframe of an aircraft and measure where its vulnerabilities are and where its weak spots are and, and, you know, improve it or, you know, do whatever you want, uh, based on that information, you, you get the data. So they look at shock testing and economic system in the same, right. very same way. This, this kind of gets you into the mindset of these technocrats. They're very cold and calculating. And they say, you know, there are certain staples that, uh, you know, economies, Western societies depend on oil, uh, maybe milk or wheat or, um, you know, cer certain things that, that most people consume or, or rely on. And so they can shock the price of oil, say, um, jack it up and then sit back and watch, uh, you know, what headlines come up, how people respond, look at the news. They can look at what other um, adjacent industries are affected and get a really good um, analysis of, you know, what a tweak in one part of the system does to another and they can direct and steer uh, mm -hmm. the economy and, and people will respond. And, you know, we're, we're treated very much like electrons in a, in a printed circuit board. And exactly. They, they, feel they can control us, you know, to, to a high degree. And uh, it's, it's, it's a real eye opener to when you start to look at how, these globalists look at us as just cattle that can be controlled and manipulated. You know, and that, that is, 
you know, it's it's amazing the uh, the disrespect that's arisen between the electorate and the uh, public health officials and the public officials that are the elected officials that they know better and we are just in the way of them doing their job. And the reality is right. that you know, in, in a republic, <laughs> it's we we if we want to do something, we think this is the right direction. It's their job to implement it. If they have objections, they can step down. Precisely. I, yeah. I think people, the public forgets, the and, and the government officials forget their place. Uh, they, you know, they, it, it's, it's really irritating. To see. They, they act as though they are our employers. You know, we, we are right. the boss. We are the ones who elect them to represent us. We pay their salary. We agree to how much and which taxes that we want to implement you know, to uh, support our infrastructure, but it's not to support their livelihood. And they're not the ones who are to dictate to us what, you know, people need to remember that we are the boss. Yeah. Uh, We are the majority and they need to do our bidding. And this, this is what concerns me when I start hearing uh, talk towards uh, universal basic income, because that's really in the position of being our employer. When, when you allow a government to put everybody on a basic welfare system, on a basic, people think, oh, that's great. I can just sit around and play video games all day and, you know, get enough money to live by. It's, you, you do not realize how dependent you're, you're making yourself. And they can shut it off with the, like a flick of a switch. When you give up that right to make your own income, game yes, over. It's game over. And again, I think this was something that, uh, uh, there might have been some unintended consequences from the prolonged uh, uh, lockdown in which so many people had to go on uh, unemployment for an extended right. period of time. And it was, I can say from experience that it was one of the, uh, it, it was difficult. It required a lot of uh, knowledge. It required a lot of time to get to be on the phone or online to get any, even even the smallest uh, uh, problems associated with your account to resolve. And it was incredibly stressful. I'll put it that way. So this is yeah. something, like you said, yeah. shock testing and, oh, okay. Well, and we have someone on line one, Annette from Port Townsend. Uh, why don't we oh, bring her on and I see what, what her, oh, no kidding. Cool. Yeah. So, hello, Annette, Port Townsend. Hello there. Am I on the program? I can't tell from where Yes, you are. Okay. You are on. Hello there, Javier. Uh, my name is Annette. I've been a friend of Bernadette's for, uh, well, since the Vax bus came to town. Wow. And um, I'm calling to uh, bring up the what our public health officer here on the Olympic Peninsula is doing. So this 36-year-old epidemiologist named Allison Berry um, uh, started working in Clallam County, which is the very northwest tip of the state, oh yes, mm-hmm. um, a few years ago, and um, she has now taken over Jefferson County, the neighboring southern county. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, this, we were greeted with two days before Labor Day, um, this past uh, tourist season, a mm-hmm. um, an order that nobody who is unvaccinated can go into a restaurant or bar. Um, wow. No, ex- no exceptions, no nothing. It's just that's the way it is. 
and um, there was a great hue and cry, but um, just about everybody, just about all of the businesses uh, acquiesced, and they did what they were told, and, um, you know, the the typical ensuing problems with um, staff having to enforce it and all that became problematic. Um, and uh, it's it's just a really curious thing to me. She was a she's a Johns Hopkins grad, and I'm I'm just oh there you go right. Yeah. Well, we've only had so we've had 19 deaths in total from COVID is what that's the official stats for these counties. 19 deaths in total. I, I think that that's up to date. It's close. If it's not, it's very close. If it's not, and um, most of those people have been double jabbed. Uh, I'm, yes, it is more than half that have been double jabbed, and um, they had comorbidities, and uh, it's still, you know, they still died from COVID because they're, this is her typical mantra. Their bodies, because of their comorbidities, their bodies didn't have uh, the, the time to mount an immune response. And this last person who was double, they didn't have time to get their booster shot. And this is just a warning for everybody to get out and get your booster shot. Oh, um, my God. So, yeah, we've been right. fighting. We've been fighting this for, I mean, since this whole shenanigan started, um, we've been battling it. And um, just today we read in the Peninsula Daily News that there is um, a lawsuit against them. Good. Um, Excellent. So it is owners of six restaurants have filed an injunction request challenging Clallam County and Dr. Yes. Allison Berry over her proof of COVID vaccination mandate for bars and restaurants. Good. Um, so we're hopeful that that uh, will have some impact. But I wondered if either of you, as far as we know, the uh, it's King County and Jefferson and Clallam that have this you know, authoritarian, uh, no jab, no restaurant deal. You know, you, natural immunity doesn't work, and, you know, you can't do it, mm-hmm. provide a test, although I think most of us wouldn't even, you know, go along with any kind of um, capitulation like that. But um, I don't know. I'm not aware of any place else in the country except in California where this is happening, um, and I wondered if either of you were. That's a good question. And uh, again, Annette, thank you so much for calling. Uh, We're going to try and answer your question as best as you can. Our next uh, uh, guest is going to be on here real soon. So, uh, John, uh, I don't know if that's something that I know in New Zealand it's happened. Were you no jab, no no entry, right? Yeah, we no jab, no job. So yesterday was my last day um, at the fitness club where I worked. And uh, in fact, we we all as a family went out together and uh, we had uh, we went to the last movie that we'll be able to go to for a while. We had our last dinner out. Um, so, yeah, the I, I know a lot of people are are being really optimistic and saying, well, this is going to pass. And, you know, five or six months, I think once the government figures out, you know, what a bother this is. And as people um, get jabbed enough and, and immunity builds up, you know, I think this is all going to go away. Um that that isn't what's written in the papers that's not what's being talked about by klaus schwab that's not the not their plan um you know if (laughs) if things were allowed to progress if things were allowed to progress naturally you know as as they would in any other flu season or 
supposed pandemic, you know, that, that might be the case, but um, I think we need to brace ourselves for an alternate possibility. There so you Javier, go. Javier, it sounds like you're bringing on a new guest right now. Correct. And so I just wanted to say thank you for the call, Annette. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. And John, I'd like to say thank you so much for coming again on the second hour. Uh, our next welcome. guest is going to be Dr. Paul Thomas, uh, Dr. Paul Thomas, MD. And I'd like to bring him on to uh, to the show right now. Dr. Thomas. Yes. Hey, hello. Can you hear me? We can hear you just fine. And again, Perfect. thank you so much for coming on the show. It is an absolute honor uh, to talk with you. Uh, I, I know that Annette speaks, I'm sorry, Bernadette speaks very highly of you. And I can only say thank you so much for uh, standing up and being a voice of reason and also integrity with all the work that you've done. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Great. Well, I know that Bernadette uh, wanted to have you on the show uh, so that you can discuss probably the latest things that are happening with you, your practice, and your lawsuit, apparently. Sure. Um, Some of your listeners know a little bit about my story, but today, December 3rd, is the anniversary. One year ago today, the Oregon Medical Board emergently met and had an emergency suspension of my license. Now, what triggered this was, we have to backtrack a little bit, to February of 2019. Actually, let me take you back a little further. In 2016, I wrote the book, The Vaccine-Friendly Plan. Right. This this was what sort of got everybody's attention. Wait a minute. There's somebody saying there's a different way to vaccinate a doctor, a pediatrician, a board-certified pediatrician. What the heck? And that book caused more trouble because the anti-vax, and I hate that term, but people who are vaccine risk aware uh, didn't like that book because it was saying you could do vaccines. And of course, the mainstream people hated that book because it was saying there's a different way than the CDC schedule. So I was basically hated by all, uh, loved by a few and hated by most. But the Oregon Medical Board after that started coming after me. Uh, with complaint after complaint. And in February of 2019, the most interesting one came. I'm actually, today I had an awareness. The Oregon Medical Board has been our best ally in our fight to get the information out to the world. (laughs) So let me explain. Um, So they said to me, prove that the vaccine-friendly plan is as safe as the CDC schedule. And when I first got that, I just laughed. I thought, They've never proven that their schedule is safer than nothing or that this year's schedule is safer than last year's schedule because they simply add a new vaccine or compress the schedule. I thought, actually, I didn't think this. I wish I had been smart enough. Somebody, I can't remember who, said, well, Paul, just do a quality assurance analysis. I thought, bingo. I don't need an IRB to do a quality assurance analysis. That's right. So I did. I hired an external expert, neutral. He was a nerd. In fact, he came in and says, Paul, I don't know what this is going to show. I just follow the data. I said, that's fine. Let's get the data. I didn't know what it was going to show. I had a clue. And the clue was the fact that my sick waiting room is always empty. And my my well waiting room is packed. And that's not what it used to be like. So I'm thinking, I think we're going to find something interesting. Well, we did. And we published it. And on November 23rd of 2020, we published the probably the most important real world data 
on vaxxed unvaxxed from a single practice where we had over 500 unvaccinated kids. And that study kind of shook the world in a way, at least it the did. world of the world of mainstream, mm-hmm. because it showed that our unvaccinated patients were far healthier. They had a lot less ear infections, sinus infections, eye infections, lung infections, any kind of infection, basically, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. I thought vaccines are supposed to protect you from infections. Right. Well, you know, that's not what the data shows. Okay. We had more developmental issues, whether it was ADD or ADHD, uh, autism to some extent, it wasn't as robust for autism. Uh, And then we had a lot more allergies, eczema, allergic rhinitis, things that we have seen shown in other vaxxed, unvaxxed studies, like Mawson's study showed these same things. So five days after that was available online, exactly a year from today, (laughs) they yanked my license, okay? It was an emergency. I was a threat to public health. (laughs) Data is a threat. Data is a threat. Now, the the story this past year, since I lost my license, has been rather interesting as relates to the medical board. Here's what happened. I went to my attorney. I said, I mean, they... By, by what they did, I automatically lost some, ma- well, all health contracts personally. Right. And one health contract that was very important in our area for all my practice, my board certifications were withdrawn, even though I had not yet had my date in court. And my attorney was able to go to them and point out that they illegally took my license without any charges, which is illegal in this country. That was a legal mistake. And they've since backtracked on many of their charges, which proves that what they did was knowingly false. And yet they allowed a narrative to play out that smeared my name, destroyed my practice, destroyed my career. Destroyed is a little strong because I I live on and I fight on, but they damaged a lot of things. I mean, I, I can't get health contracts. I wonder if I'll be able to stay board certified. I mean, I know I've lost board certification for good at least for five years before I can appeal. But getting back on health plans is probably a no-go. So there's a lot of damage done by their move. So I'm feeling kind of raw about that, right? As well you should. (laughs) And then this story gets really fascinating just the last two weeks. So right before Thanksgiving, I got a letter from them 20 pages long. Now, I mean – And my attorney says, I need you to go through detail by detail and make a response to every single thing in there. Turns out there were over a hundred what they're calling complaints. Now, 80 of them were the fact that what I used to do in my practice and still would to this day is kids who get the MMR at say 12 to 15 months, that's the normal age, Mm -hmm. are supposed to get it again at four to six years. Right. But a lot of people who come into my practice don't want that second vaccine if they don't need it. So we draw titers, measles, mumps, rubella titers. And we've shown that 95 to 99% of the time, those who got the vaccine are already extremely immune to measles. That's the only one in Oregon that you're required to prove immunity. So one MMR is adequate for mumps and rubella. Well, out of, uh, out of about 132 of these patients who had these titers drawn, who also showed a negative mumps titer. So we had hundreds. I can't remember the exact number. Eight, 900 total titers were drawn. 
but there were 132, if I've got the number right, who were negative for mumps. And we know that the mumps fails about 80% of the time. I'm sorry, 20% of the <laughs> 20% time. 20% time, yes. Yeah, you get about 80% of a conversion. Well, the board is saying, I did not give those 80 patients their MMR because of their mumps. Therefore, that is a violation of standard of care. So that amounts to 80 separate charges, <laughs> one by one. Each one is a $10,000 fine. And then they have another 20 charges that are all, for the most part, made up. It's, it's all about, well, you didn't honor informed consent by pushing the CDC schedule. Oh, come on, give me a break. Okay. Wow. So <laughs> it gets better. So, so then they say to my attorney, we're going to offer Dr. Thomas a deal. Of okay. course. They're going to offer me a deal. I said, well, what's this deal? Well, you can't practice pediatrics. Uh, nobody under the age of 18. Uh, you can't do research, which I don't know why the board should have anything to do exactly. with research. Exactly. It's insane. <laughs> wow. And um, and you 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 uh, you drop your option to sue the board, right? In other words, you clear them of all liability, and in right. exchange, they will drop their charges. Right after they made that offer, I get that 20-page document. And then I get back from Thanksgiving. I've just spent three days answering that document. And I get three more documents from the board. Mm -hmm. Three different separate charges. Another one is 24 pages. Another one is dealing with research. And another one's looking at my shows. I have a, I have a show against the wind and I have a YouTube channel. Wait, 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 I, wait, wait. They actually put your show as a complaint? Yes. So they're, they're, they're trying to manufacture complaints out of things that are happening on my show or on my YouTube channel. And I read through them and they're all absolutely easy to dispel. I mean, it's just nonsense. So they're continuing this fishing expedition. And I thought to myself, this will never end. I have to fight this. Yes. And so this week we started a campaign, Dr. Paul's fight. So if anybody's interested in seeing what that's all about, it's drpaulsfight.com. And when you go to Dr. Paul's fight, if you click on uh, the support button, whatever that one says, you can see the campaign and the response has been absolutely phenomenal. My attorney says we need to raise a quarter million dollars just to get through the January trial because I am at risk of minimum $100,000 fine, having to pay all of their their expenses, which probably will be over a hundred thousand, and my Easily. own attorney, yeah, my own attorney's expenses. So it really shouldn't be Dr. Paul's fight. It should be our fight because Agreed. I am absolutely in this, not for my own personal gain. It would be so much easier. And I've often said this to loved ones and families, like I should just hang up my license, go to the beach. I can exercise. I can have a great, I could have a really great life. It's not that I'm rolling in the money. I haven't made a penny all year since they took my license. But I could survive and I could I could dispense with the stress. But no, I am here for the kids. I'm not going to turn my back on these kids. But here's the silver lining in what the board has been doing. And that's why I thank them today on this, this anniversary. I am on shows like yours and Informed Life Radio. We are reaching millions around the world. This is my 13th interview in four days. <laughs> Excellent. We, we, we are reaching millions around the world, letting them know that the vaxxed unvaxxed study is very powerful, very yes. significant. Even though it was retracted, that's expected. If you publish a study that shows vaccines in a negative light, 
it will likely be retracted. Of course. The, the system yeah. has two means of trying to make sure the public doesn't get this information. One is discredit the author. So that's why they yanked my license Two, get the study retracted, which they've successfully done. But don't worry, we'll find a way to get it republished. Uh, we'll rework the data. The data is powerful. It it's is. Hi- it's highly yeah. significant. You cannot get rid of truth. Absolutely. In fact, if you'd like to uh, get the truth out there a little more, um, I'll throw out the offer of another interview on a podcast. And again, John, John is in New Zealand and he has a growing uh, listenership. And again, the doctors in New Zealand would love to hear that. I'm sure they would. Yeah. And I'd like uh, to share that paper. New Zealand and Australia, you guys are having a time. Yeah, you can say that again. Yeah. (laughs) Now, yeah. what's interesting is uh, I'd like to just in, in support of what you're going through regarding the MMR issue um, and with the 20 percent uh, uh, failure rate uh, as a young boy, I got the mumps twice huh. and this was 19. So I'd been uh, vaccinated. And I, when did the MMR come out? Oh, the 65, tri- I think. So I had the MMR and I got yeah. the mumps twice. Wow. So. And you're Go still figure. alive. And I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm a little older than you are. I had mumps as a kid in Africa. And uh, while it wasn't fun, you know, you know, you're immune for life. Pediatricians, we were taught that, oh, my gosh, you can't let anybody get the mumps because everybody's going to get sterile, right? Or chitis. No. It's this very rare, rare possible complication of having had the mumps that I still don't. In my generation, I don't know anybody who had it or who's not been able to have children. Right. Uh, unlike the current generation that's highly vaccinated and fertility is actually becoming a problem. Wait till we finish with the COVID jabs. And oh boy, I don't know if anybody's going to yeah. be able to have kids. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so, John, did you have a question that you wanted to ask? Well, I, I, I was wondering, doctor, if you've looked at the uh, ingredients list, at least the published ingredients in the Pfizer injection, I, I saw, was able to, to track down a couple things that were, um, I forget how they classify, they categorize um, risk to human fertility on a, like a four point scale or something. And, the, and these were like highly likely to cause fertility or spontaneous abortions, like with at least two of these ingredients in the Pfizer vaccine. Can you verify that? Uh, no, I, I, I can't say that I'm an expert on the ingredients of those vaccines. I can certainly tell you we're reading the reports of spontaneous abortions are extremely high, especially first yeah. trimester. And um, fertility <clears throat> problems are almost a guaranteed. They're finding spike protein concentrating in the gonads, so in the testes and the ovaries. And right. uh, wherever the spike protein concentrates, you're going to get a, your own immune system attack your own cells and uh, it's it's guaranteed destruction. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if this is uh, inside baseball or uh, throwing shade uh, to potential colleagues. How is your community in Oregon, your the physician community, uh, how have they reacted to all of this and to you specifically? So my attorney just sent me an email this week saying, Paul, you need to be extremely careful. The board has physicians combing the internet, watching your videos, trying to find things that they can send to the board. I had a whistleblower dad who's married to a physician who called my office a couple, two, three years ago 
and uh, we got the recording. We have the transcript saying that uh, there is a physician group that is specifically targeting you. So just be aware. Interesting. At, at that time, I was just like, what the heck? I mean, because I'm really doing nothing wrong. And I've been in practice for 35 years. I have yet to have a lawsuit. It's not like I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm True. actually pretty good clinician. This, I'm an in-the-trenches <clears throat> clinical kind of doctor. I'm actually not a researcher. But I'm the kind of doctor that when, when I saw this incredibly powerful signal and I'm hearing stories from hundreds of patients who are getting kicked out of other practices because right. they don't want to follow the CDC schedule, oftentimes they're told, well, you can go to integrative pediatrics, go see Dr. Thomas, he'll let you do whatever you want. And so intentionally, these patients are congregating in my practice, which means I get to hear those stories over and over, and over. again. And everybody that works here hears those stories. Once you know what we know, you don't have a choice. Right. You cannot go back to business as usual, follow the CDC schedule for every single kid, make matters better. I was going to say worse. worse. Make matters better when you actually get data. When you get a QA de-identified data set and you publish it in a peer-reviewed journal, and we went through rigorous peer review, and you find that there are significant, I mean, highly significant differences between the unvaxxed and the vaccinated. Now, I have to point out to your listeners, the vaccinated in that study are vaccine-friendly plan vaccinated, right. not CDC vaccinated. So I say now that my vaccine-friendly plan is not friendly enough. Okay, had we had fully vaccinated kids, my word the amount of damage would have been way worse, right? So if you're seeing an effect from kids who are, I would say on the average, half the vaccine load of a CDC schedule, and they're having all these problems, I just can't even, the, the significance and magnitude of problems for the CDC vaccinated kids, uh, one can only speculate. That's been done, by the way, uh, the uh, the control group data. Mm -hmm. If you've seen that, you just go to- oh, thecontrolgroup.org. Yeah. And that data is, it shows exactly what my data shows. Uh, and the significance level is, is just sky high. It's, it's unbelievable that there's so much evidence at this point um, for, uh, you know, really having the, the ability to have an informed decision-making process as a parent nowadays. Yes. And I think that's the critical component. You have never said, don't get vaccinated. You said, here are the, here is the data. Here are alternatives. Right. You decide I'm your doctor. We'll guide you the best way I can. Right. Of course, now I have a gag order. I cannot give advice about vaccines to my patients. This right. is a show. So anybody that's watching, you know, this is just informational. Take it to your trusted healthcare provider. There you which go. Trusted should probably not be a mainstream, uh, pediatrician, frankly, uh, unless they can give you true informed consent. If they cannot, then you can't trust them. Uh, any medical procedure should involve informed consent, which means here are the advantages, here are the disadvantages, the pros and the cons, and the alternatives. One alternative must always be that you don't get the procedure. You don't get the vaccine. You don't take the medication. That always is an option. That always right. is. But, yeah. It's always an option. You shouldn't have to get an exemption to just live your life. Well, and <laughs> and let me just put this on. I'm going to uh, put the control group uh, screen on right here so that people can see it if they're viewing this on the uh, webcast, thecontrolgroup.org. 
Uh, and again, go down there, go look at it. This is an incredibly important group. This is this is this is real citizen uh, um, uh, science right here. Yep. This is people taking the responsibility <clears throat> and saying we will actually do the work that our other agencies are not doing, that our other departments of health are not doing. And that's critical. And again, like John and I were talking earlier, this is about establishing a parallel system where we, the people, actually get to decide what's in our best interests, not other groups. Oh, let me just stop sharing the screen here. <laughs> well, stated. Yeah, it's interesting to me, too, that I've never heard of like the, the CDC or the WHO dictating uh, policy or um, process for, for treatment to, you know, doctors, I mean, it's, it's always been up to the doctor to prescribe or, or look at the best treatments for their own patients. And yet yeah. they're being muzzled and handcuffed. We've, we've turned a page and turned a corner where uh, pharma has got such control now over the process of what drugs are being offered for what conditions that, you know, the doctor-patient relationship is almost done yeah. and you don't really even need a doctor. And in fact, I'll tell you a story. This is really sad. So I'm in Portland, Oregon. I was in my clinic yesterday. I ended up in there all day today. But yesterday afternoon, I had a young kid, seven or eight years old, in with their mom. And I kind of usually query, I'm not allowed to talk about vaccines, but, you know, I just said, you know, has your uh, daughter gotten the COVID vaccine? Oh, yeah, we just got it 10 days ago. I said, oh, okay. Uh, who gave the vaccine? The school. I said, what? The school what? gave the vaccine? She wow. said, well, not exactly, but the school set it up. I said, huh, how did they do that? Well, uh, it's the Beaverton School District, and they made arrangements for us to go to an office, a doctor's office. I said, oh, okay. So that doctor talked to you about the pros and the cons and all that. No, no, no. We just lined up and got our vaccine. I said, so nobody talked to you about anything? No, nobody talked to them. So this wow. is happening right here and now here in, in Portland, Oregon area. Kids in grade school being sent by the school to some office that's going to profit mightily mightily from, from simply lining up and shooting up these kids uh, with no discussion of the pros or the cons or the alternatives, no informed consent process whatsoever. So and no just, parental it, consent? Well, no, in this case there was. So that was the, the other curious part because most parents who come to my practice are fairly vaccine risk aware. Right. And so I said, well, um, so how did you make that decision to, to have this happen? And he says, oh, well, everybody knows it's the right thing to do. I said, oh, really? How did they know that? Huh. Well, I mean, it's not only on TV. In, the entire world knows this. And I think this is what we're up against. The, the messaging that the pharma has been able to and public health has been co-opted by, by all these powerful interests, conflicts of interest, uh, such profits, if nothing else. Oh, my else. God. Yes. Right. Uh, I mean, a typical successful vaccine program like the hepatitis B that they've been pumping out and pushing for decades makes, I think, about a billion dollars for the pharmaceutical industry per year. Uh, Pfizer's already made, I think, over $30 billion on just yep. this one product. Mm -hmm. It's insane profits. But I, I'm nervous for our world if folks don't wake up. So if you're listening to this show, you're in the right place to get good, solid information. I don't watch television anymore. Every single time I've turned it on just out of curiosity to see what are they talking about now, <laughs> it's absolutely 
opposite to the facts. So they present the news anchors are reading um, <clears throat> off of a teleprompter yes. something that's been passed down from powerful interests that make money off of the population. And people accept that as their medical advice. It's shocking. Folks, you got to turn yeah. off the TV, get out and walk in nature, and all of a sudden fear goes away. The animal kingdom's yeah. doing fine. It's just these humans who are masking up. It's, it's bizarre. <laughs> well, isn't it? So, Dr. Thomas, we have about one minute before we, we have to uh, wrap up the show. But, uh, again, I can only say that uh, reading your paper was an absolute jaw-dropper. First, I thought, how the hell did they get this published? And second, like you said, the signal was so clear. And I just realized that when you just you were telling me you were using your vaccine friendly plan, for some reason, I was I thought it was actually the CDC uh, yeah. schedule. Yeah, so no, I have hardly any CDC schedule, folks. Yeah, wow. it's have, have people join me at drpaulsfight.com. You got it. And thanks for having me on the show. And again, thank you, uh, Dr. Thomas, uh, yeah. John, and everyone listening. Uh, this is Informed Life uh, Radio. Uh, KKNW 1150. I'm your host, Javier Figueroa. Thank you all for joining us. Be safe, be free, and be unafraid. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at healthyimmunitynow.org. That's healthyimmunitynow.org. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. 
Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today.